Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I join conservationist Katie Law of the Central and Western Concern Group at the front of City Hall in Central to talk about Queen's Pier. Now, the Queen's Pier that was built in the 1950s is currently in storage while it's discussed where to put it. Katie would like to see it restored to its original position, but others, including Nicholas Brook, the chairman of the Harbourfront Commission, would like to see it between Pier 8 and 9. I talked to Nicholas later in the programme. Queen's Pier was a disembarkation point for many a British royal and governor and wife when they arrived with their hat and feathers and when they left. It was a place where people dated and, along with the Star Ferry Pier, holds a place in the hearts of the people of Hong Kong. But the version from the 1950s was not the first. So there were at least two previous versions of Queen's Pier. The first one being a wooden pier and at a site called the Queen's Statute Wharf. But that was um, replaced in 1920s by another one called the Statute Pier, which was located near the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, as it was now. But that was again replaced in the 1950s by the Queen's Pier, which was at the Edinburgh Place. So there were at least three versions of Queen's Pier. Now, when the, when the pier was first erected, who was allowed to land there? Well, um, the most important function uh, for the Queen's Pier was, of course, to welcome the, the royal members of the British royal family, as well as the governors who um, came to Hong Kong and uh, to be sworn into the service. Uh, so this was the main function. But, of course, um, gradually it also served as a public pier. The fact that it was called Queen's Pier, who's that after? Of course, the Queen Victoria. And, uh, I mean, uh, many of uh, Hong Kong's uh, uh, streets and uh, roads were named after Queen's Victoria, and uh, Queen's Pier was also one of them. So can you uh, name a couple of the governors who came and went from Queen's Pier? Well, um, the, the, the one which, um, whom we remember most was, of course, uh, Christopher Patton. But I mean, uh, for many governors in Hong Kong also uh, arrived uh, in Queen's Pier, including uh, Macleod, of course, which was uh, one of the most uh, memorable governors in Hong Kong. So what would the, when they arrived on Queen's Pier, what would the ceremony be like? Well, um, they arrived uh, on the, the governor's yacht called um, Lady Maureen. The boat came to the harbour, uh, arriving at the Queen's Pier. Um, the governor and his wife were disembarked from the pier. And uh, there was, a, in fact, a, a ceremonial access uh, which linked up the Queen's Pier, the centre point of Queen's Pier, to the centre point of the dais in front of City Hall. What's a dais? The dais is like a platform, which um, we're looking at one now, um, with the flagpole. So it's like a platform which um, the governor will um, first review um, the guards of honour. Um, so a band would be playing? Yeah, it's just like a ceremony. And then after the inspecting the guards of honour, um, they will move on and go into the city hall and to be sworn in to their service as a governor of Hong Kong. So that would have been later on after City... So when was City Hall built? Well, in the 1960s, yeah, so when the City Hall was built. So this was like a ceremony which was, uh, you know, repeated, you know, with each and every governor's. And, and they'd, they'd, the royal families. And they would also leave from there, is that right? 
Yes. Now, yeah, in 1989 as well, the, the then Prince and Princess of Wales, which would have been Prince Charles and the late uh, Princess Diana, uh, also uh, arrived on that pier. So it's interesting that this pier is very much a colonial pier in a lot of ways in terms of it's, it's associated with pomp and circumstance and, and uh, pith helmets and, you know, you would have had the governor in his uniform with that sort of feathered hat. Um, and yet... For the psyche of, of Hong Kong people, it became very much a part of their culture. Very much, because um, apart from those uh, ceremonies, and in fact, most of the time during the year, uh, the pier was used by the public, you know, as a public pier, as well as a place for um, recreation and relaxation. And, um, you know, during the lunch times, for example, you know, people will came here to have their lunch, and it's a very nice location to uh, look at the harbour. So when you say that it would be used, you'd have ferries come alongside or sampans and junks? Yeah, it's a public pier as well as a place for people to um, for relaxation and as you know, this is just right in front of the City Hall and City Hall itself is a civic centre and it's a very important public place for, for example, there are concerts and uh, performances in City Hall. There is the, the very important public library, which people um, use a lot. So um, then Star Ferry, as well as Queen's Pier, became a very important public space for people as well. It is also a place where um, some uh, social movements took place. For example, um, the hunger strike in the 1960s uh, because of the, um, the rise in the uh, fear of uh, Star Ferry that uh, triggered a hunger strike by uh, you know, social activists. And there are also um, a so lot. So that took place at the Star Ferry? Yes. And uh, j- just right next door to Queen's Pier. And there was also the, uh, the Diao Yu Tai movement which is like a patriotic movement of the young activists in Hong Kong, which took place in the 1970s. That took place in Queen's Pier as well. And that was about the Diaoyu Islands. Yes. And, uh, you know, which are joint claim of both China and Japan. And, uh, but for me, I mean, uh, you know, looking at what occurred in the Star Ferry in terms of the ticket fare rise of the Star Ferry, uh, in 1966, in terms of this sort of rather tumultuous period in Hong Kong's history, the Star Ferry for me would seem more logical that that would have more of an anchor in in Hong Kong's history for local people than Queen's Pier. It is, yes, but uh, I think the entire Edinburgh place, which includes Star Ferry and Queen's Pier, as well as the City Hall as a whole, should be seen as a collective um, historical landscape or a historical cluster, which have a very, very important meaning for Hong Kong, both, uh, you know, for the, um, the local people, as well as its links with the colonial government. I think this entire compound should be seen as a whole. Queen's Pier during the colonial years was the usual arrival and departure stage for a governor and his wife and family. News didn't get any bigger or with as many headlines and subheadlines than in this gushing account of the arrival of the new colonial master back on May the 9th, 1930. New Governor of Hong Kong declaimed the China Mail on, of course, its front page. Sir William Peel's arrival. 
rousing welcome by entire populace, no figure reported. Cheerful auguries, such a neglected word by headline writers of today. Ceremonies at Queen's Pier and in Theatre Royal. And the article continued. Some kind of fate conspired to give Sir William Peel the best possible impression of Hong Kong when he landed at Queen's Pier this morning. After yesterday's semi-deluge, the skies cleared wonderfully and a better day to welcome our new governor could not possibly have been made or ordered. His Excellency's landing was conducted in that spirit of quiet decorum which characterises the Briton wherever he may be. What made the scene even more picturesque was the presence of the kilted regiments, their soldiery bearing eliciting tributes from the most hardened old veteran. A riot of colour, a much misused term, could probably be applied to the gathering. If a personal note may be struck, and why not on such an occasion, it was exceedingly pleasant to see Chinese in ceremonial attire gathered to greet His Excellency. This is possibly an augury of the harmonious spirit in which affairs in the colony will continue after the Admiral Administration of the Honourable Mr Wilfred T. Southorn. Our new governor's a smiling, stoutly built gentleman, and obviously one with great experience of the world's affairs. Lady Peel, who seemed to be at home at once in her new surroundings, quite captivated the gathering by her infectious smile, and her introduction to the assembly struck a human note, which was echoed by the whole community. Five years later, Sir William and Lady Peel were back at Queen's Pier on May the 17th, 1935, this time to depart the colony. According to the report in the Hong Kong Daily Press, under the headline, Colony's Great loss. After ably administrating the colony for the past five years, His Excellency Sir William Peel, one of the most popular and most successful governors Hong Kong has ever had, and Lady Peel left the colony on retirement yesterday by the Empress of Japan. It is no exaggeration to say that by their departure, the colony has suffered an irreparable loss, for they were always held in high esteem and affection by the various sections of the community, as evidenced by the large gathering present at Queen's Pier to bid them farewell. Now, where we're sitting at the front of City Hall, which of course has uh, entertained Hong Kong people or with all its concerts and uh, theatre productions for the past 60-odd years, I should think. Yes, yes, it has been a very, very uh, popular place for all kinds of people. And its uh, dim sum's pretty good, isn't it? It's quite good. Yeah, I, I came to the public library a lot, though, as a kid. You know, it's also, you know, it's a, the very... Um, you know, most important pastimes for us on Sundays, you know, uh, to came to the library and sometimes to ride on the Star Ferry. You know, it's a beautiful, um, the harbour view itself, it's very, very uh, beautiful and it's a very popular place for people to come for dating and uh, to look at the harbour, the tourists as well. So it's, it's really a very important memory for many Hong Kong people. And uh, in terms of where we are now, though, when we sit outside City Hall, you probably can hear the traffic sound. So we can't, in fact, see the harbour as such from here. Yeah, it's so much different now because um, right outside the City Hall is the new Longwall Road and the new reclamation. So um, the harbour is very far away from here and we can barely see it from the ground level. There's not much atmosphere, is there? It's very, very quiet now, um, probably because of the change in the landscape itself and uh, also because the government hasn't put a lot of effort um, to recreate um, the, the atmosphere uh, f- 
in front of City Hall. And uh, maybe during the weekends there will be a, a bit more people, but it's uh, the atmosphere is very different. So um, we feel that uh, if we can reassemble Queen's Pier uh, back to this original location in front of the City Hall, that should be able to create um, a better atmosphere for this area. So you've got one view along with some architects and a few conservationists. The government doesn't agree. Well, I think the government um, still um, insisted that they want to uh, reassemble Queen's Pier between Piers 9 and 10 in the New Harbour Front, which uh, was a very different view. Um, but I think um, during the public consultation, they actually received um, more supports for reassembling the Queen's Pier in this original location, which I think the public also um, understand the significance of Queen's Pier as part of the Edinburgh Place uh, heritage cluster. So um, the government seems to be thinking that they are, you know, doing the right thing. But um, in fact, what they do will in fact damage the heritage um, status of Queen's Pier, which we worry that um, relocating it to the new waterfront will in fact downgrade the importance of Queen's Pier, will take, away, take it away from you know, its historic um, location. Considering the amount of structures that do get demolished in Hong Kong uh, as it modernises, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've had a whole load of different buildings in the central area go in the period, particularly during the 1980s. Uh, what was interesting with the Queen's Pier is that uh, in going back to 2007, there was such an outcry for both the Star Ferry Pier and the Queen's Pier, which resulted in Queen's Pier being saved. Can you take us back to... 2007, what happened in, in, in that tumultuous year? Yeah. So in 2007, when the government announced that they are going to pull down Star Ferry and Queen's Pier, there was strong outcry from the public because um, we see the Star Ferry and the Queen's Pier are iconic buildings which uh, mark our cultural identity and our cultural heritage. And that's why a lot of young people just came out to protest, to stage protests, and as well as hunger strike, and uh, trying to um, stop the government from pulling down Star Ferry and Queen's Pier. And that was a, a very long period of protest and demonstration, and also a kind of uh, a wake-up call for Hong Kong people that, um, in fact, um, we have to do something to save our heritage, and otherwise it will be just, you know, pulled down easily by the government for redevelopment. But when you actually look architecturally at the um, or from an architectural perspective at Queen's Pier, I mean the earlier formations, I mean not the wooden pier at the outset, but if you look at Queen's Pier in the 1920s, there is a bit of aesthetic quality to it. I mean the, the once we get to the 50s with Queen's Pier, it's, it's actually quite a dull structure. Well, I would say um, it will it represented um, the character of um, architecture at that time, um, which is modernism. So modernism and the building style is more simple, functional. If you remember Star Ferry, it's more you know a very um, simple structure with a clock tower. 
Queen's Pier as well. So they actually represented the building style of that era, which I would say is also important because it shows the development from a more colonial or Victorian style of building into a more functional style. Um, their simplicity is also beautiful in itself. So um, it also tied in very well with uh, City Hall and the Memorial Garden, which was also built at that period in the 50s, 60s, right? And um, it is in fact, uh, you know, like a cluster which was built at the same time. So um, I won't say that um, Queen's Pier or Star Ferry at that time is not beautiful, but they are beautiful in their own way, in their very simplistic and uh, um, also uh, very stylish as well. Now, when we look back at 2007, it resulted in, if you look at photographs from that time, uh, you had a, a predominantly younger activists who then put tents on the roof. Uh, some went on hunger strike at the time. And there was this big movement uh, of people who just then sort of camped and stayed there. And in fact, um, actor Chow Yun-Fat uh, showed up, uh, signed the petition, and in a sort of preemptive uh, comment, actually asked the police you know, not to, to hurt any demonstrators. Uh, but so there was this real passionate feel in 2007. What was interesting was that it was coming from Hong Kong's youth. Yes, and um, especially the, the Hong Kong youth, you know, being raised in um, the 1980s, for example. We call them the, the generation, the 80s generation. And um, so uh, it is a very important time. And I also we also see it as the start of the very um, active social movement, um, which coming after that time, um, after the Star Ferry, Queen's Pier, we have a lot of different, um, you know, events and campaigns um, to try and um, safeguard Hong Kong's heritage or the local identity. Nicholas Brook is the Harbourfront Commission uh, chairman. What does he feel? Well, um, the Harbourfront Commission is, of course, um, responsible for the discussion of all the Harbourfront um, matters, uh, which include the reassembly of Queen's Pier. So um, we went to the Harbourfront Commission to make a presentation, and uh, we also hear the discussion of the members. So as a chairman, of course, he needs to um, reflect the views of the public, which also have been shown very strongly during the public consultation for um, the view to have the in-situ reassembly of Queen's Pier. So it is his responsibility to also um, reflect these views. And uh, that's why he asked the government to consult the Antiquities Advisory Board for whether they should reassemble Queen's Pier back in its original location because that is very important to maintain the heritage status of Queen's Pier as part of Edinburgh Place. So... Um, the government, however, refused to do that, and um, they give a very, um, you know, bad explanation and saying that they will consult the AB after the reassembly, and that is, you know, really absurd. Um, that's why we found the need to again reiterate this um, position and the, also the importance of um, reassembling the Queen's Pier here 
um, at this point because the government is soon going to um, publish its report. And uh, after the new Legislative Council is formed, um, the government will have to go to the Legislative Council for funding of re- to reassemble the pier. And um, that will cost a lot of money. So we don't want the government to make this serious mistake of spending a lot of public money but putting the Queen's Pier in the wrong place. Nicholas Brook, chairman of the Harbourfront Commission, would like to see Queen's Pier positioned between Pier 8 and 9. I spoke to him earlier on the phone. Well, it, it's clearly a very important part of, our, of Hong Kong's heritage and uh, ever since it had to be taken down uh, for purpose of the Central Wanchai Reclamation, uh, the Commission has always been very keen to see it restored or it rebuilt um, as, as soon as possible. Debate, as you know, has been about location. Commissioners of the view that really it merits and it deserves a waterfront location. You know, it was a, um, a major landing place over time in history. So I think we're very much of the view that, and this was supported by the community in 2010 when they were consulted on location. Our view is that it really is best suited when we reinstated uh, on the waterfront, and we have what we believe is a, a good location between uh, piers uh, eight and nine, uh, which is on the central reclamation. Now, Katie Law's view is that it should be re- uh, it should be made to go as close as it was before, and so well, it's almost yes, to its there, original I mean, there, position. There are, yes, there are two camps, if you like. Um, there's, there's, uh, the Katie Law view, um, which is a minority view, quite frankly, that uh, we should try and reinstate it. Uh, uh, close to its original location, but that that will be a land-bound location. Um, whereas you know it is a pier, um, and the whole design is is to uh, accommodate vessels uh, coming to on shore and leaving the shore. Uh, so it seems a little strange, if you like, to try and put it on a on a land-bound in a, a land-bound location. So, commission, I think, is is strongly of the view that uh, we really should try and restore it or reinstate it. Um, on the waterfront itself. We, we now have a firm line, we have a, 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 a sea hall, and it would seem a, a sensible place to, to place it in a prominent location in Central. How would you like to see it? I mean, would you just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed when we have these heritage projects that kind of get rebuilt. Now, I mean, there's different views, as I said, you know, uh, people sometimes think, uh, you know, Murray House, um, the fact that it was moved to Stanley has taken it out of its context, but... It, just structurally, the fact that you can take all of these bricks, move them somewhere else, rebuild them, the same with Queen's Pier. Once it's uh, re-erected, wherever it ends up, how would you like to envisage it? Well, I'd like to envisage it uh, as part of Hong Kong's history, but also I think the function and the use are important. And, and if I say if you put it in a landlocked location, um, much of that purpose and function uh, uh, disappears. I mean... The proposal at the moment is that it should continue. It should, when it's reinstated, it should be used as a landing place for, for vessels, uh, which was the original intention. And um, it seems to me that we should try and restore and, and, and continue with that tradition. And do you think on Queen's Pier there would be marks to, sh- you know, markings or or uh, boards to show what its history is? Oh yes, indeed, yes, indeed, and indeed there is. Uh, in terms of the original location, there are proposals to to mark that as well, so that people know where the original location was. But I think to reinstate the pier itself in its original location, in practical sense, in practical terms, doesn't really make sense. It really does merit. It's it's an important part of the heritage and merits a, 
prominent waterfront location, I think. Um, how long have you actually been in Hong Kong? Uh, coming up for 40 years. So what are your recollections <laughs> of Queen's Pier in action? Well, this is where I'm coming from in terms of the waterfront location. My, my recollection is that you know, it was a congregating It was a place where people congregated. It was a place, a place where vessels landed. It, uh, when people were going uh, across the harbour or um, around the harbour, invariably but the vessel docked there, um, uh, both going and coming back. Um, and, I, you know, that's what I'm seeking, if you like, to reinstate. Uh, we, the Commission would like to see reinstated. If it's landlocked, um, some, what is it, 100 metres, 150 metres from the waterfront, it seems a bit strange to me anyway. Nicholas Brook, Chairman of the Harbourfront Commission. Now, this is the Pathé News account of the arrival of Britain's Princess Alexandra in 1961. For days, the Crown Colony of Hong Kong excitedly awaited the arrival of Princess Alexandra. Possessing one of the finest natural harbours in the whole world, important to West and Far East alike, the colony holds a position anomalous and unique in international commerce. Evidence of big business Western pattern confronts nearby Mao Zedong's China, and all the outlook and natural sympathies of the people, clearly expressed here in the triumphal archways erected in the princess's honour, testify to pride in the Commonwealth and love of Western freedom. Yet in this crowded colony, homeland of more than three million people, Chinese ways and traditions are cherished as warmly as in any of the mainland cities of China itself. East and West, in Hong Kong, the twain meet. And they now had only one topic. The princess from England would soon be there. Meanwhile, in the hours pending the royal arrival, life pursued its oriental way. Space at a premium, the population, swollen in recent years by refugees from China, almost bursting the colony at its seams. A population now speaking with one voice the word, welcome. And at Kai Tak Airport, the princess's aircraft at last came to land. The governor, Sir Robert Black, was there to greet Princess Alexandra and welcome her to Hong Kong. He presented Lady Black, their daughter, and the commander of the British forces. And in her gracious reception of these courtesies, the princess bore herself royally and in a manner natural to the daughter of Princess Marina. Fire floats gave their spectacular salute in the vast harbour as the governor escorted the royal visitor to his launch. Afloat as on the land, west and east mingle harmoniously, and no vessel conveniently near enough to afford its occupants a view of the governor's launch was in any hurry to move away. At Queen's Pier, where it would come alongside, thousands made their way to see the princess from Britain. No mistaking the Chinese influence. The guns of men of war in the harbour thundered in salute. Now came the chance for thousands of Hong Kong's loyal people to see the young princess and leave her in no doubt as to the warmth of their greeting. But first, the formal inspection of the Guard of Honour of the Royal Northumberland Fusiliers. On the short drive from Queen's Pier to Government House, the Chinese lanterns added an almost fairy-like oriental touch.
When the governor's car had gone by, Statute Square became thick with a great mass of people. The population of Hong Kong bade a most affectionate welcome to Princess Alexandra. As a kid, when we came to、um, City Hall and the Edinburgh Place with our parents, it's like a half-day trip. We spent some time in the library, and、uh, and then we came out to this, you know, wonderful、um, piazza. And、uh, we also watch out to the harbor. It's a beautiful harbor, and we have this sea breeze, you know,、uh, blowing on our face. And sometimes we will took、um, the star ferry to go across the harbor. My thanks to Katie Law, co-convener of the Central and Western Concern Group, Nicholas Brook, chairman of the Harbourfront Commission, and colleague Tom McAlinden for lending his voice. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>